We've been married for 12 and a half years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we still, to this day, I think probably one, one single load of laundry have we ever done together. Meaning like our clothes don't touch. Oh, (laughs) we do our laundry. And I individually, you do your own laundry individually. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. We never, we've never done a joint load of laundry except for that one one. After we got married. I don't think we've ever heard this one before. This is like this. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA All-Star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. We're back, back, back again. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. Oh, you have so much to say. Oh. Isn't it fun to come together and do this thing called life together? This podcast life right now, yes. Yeah, before we get into this interview, I was sitting in my breathing exercises this morning. Okay. Your meditation, my meditation, Mm -hmm. which I'm now doing every day. It's been really good for me. I'm so proud of you actually trying to stay focused, but my mind tends to wander. So you were wandering away during meditation, but I don't feel bad because I've been taught not to feel bad about wandering (laughs) mind, but then always bring it back to the center. Oh, let the leaf flow down the river of water and pass away. I recommend it to everyone. (laughs) Now, It's been very helpful to me. But in the midst of it, my mind started wandering to something that I wanted to talk about in this little setup today. Okay. I was thinking about uh, when we were first, you know, flirting. (laughs) What are you about to talk about? Back in college. Oh, Lord. And this is just a little piece of marriage advice I had for people that, you know, want to remember those days when it was exciting. Okay. What's the advice? To think back to something that brought you together early on that you thought was just so cute. Okay. You remember? You remember things about me? Um, I don't even know yeah. where you are going. I'm with trying this. to take us someplace <laughs> together. Okay. I do actually. Oh, you reminded me. me of this because you were gone for a week and there was no communication that we could have while you were gone on this retreat. Yeah. And so you asked me to write you letters, like write them with pen and paper, put them in an envelope with a stamp yeah. and put it in the mailbox, which yeah. I haven't done in a really, really long time. And I had to like teach the kids and we had a whole wonderful talk about the post office system and everything. But meanwhile, I didn't actually get the letters, but that's all another thing. But I wrote you, you two did. letters a day. Every day mm-hmm. while you were gone. Yeah. And what did I tell you about? I did get the ones that you had pre-given me. And what did I tell you about them? That it reminded you back of the day when I used to write you letters. Yeah. And I told you I, I've always been really attracted to your fonts. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You got good handwriting. It's, it's kind of sexy. Lord have Who mercy, have where have we gone? Who so if you're looking for a little spark, write a note. Here's another <laughs> idea. I was thinking back to some of the things we used to do and uh, had lots of lots of thoughts, but definitely the, the letter was good. And 
And I remember these little experiences we had when it was like the first couple of years of marriage, actually the first year of marriage. And one of the, one of the stories was, do you remember Lou? The whistler. The whistler. There was a guy that woke us up every morning in our first apartment and he took the trash out. He owned a pizza place across the street and he'd take the trash out and he had the, he had the best whistle. So loud too. I don't have it. <laughs> I don't get it. Zero whistle. Oh, I'm is. actually a pretty decent whistler. But anyway, I was just thinking about taking time. Okay, so this week, if you get a minute with your partner, stop for a second and just remind them of reminisce, some story. Reminisce. Whether you were dating, whether you were trying to get a date, maybe it was in the first year of marriage that reminds you of those early love years. <sighs> Thank you, Schoenbarger, for that taking us back to the She day. always refers to me as Schoenbarger when she doesn't really oh, respect me. Oh, my gosh. Can we move <laughs> on? All right. So today we have on our podcast actual fellow podcasters. Yeah, they're great. They're they fun. also have a podcast that we love called Marriage is Funny. Is it, though? And... <laughs> Jeff has a question about that. They believe it's true and they'll tell us all about it. Um, so this is Jesse and Gerard Pepper. And like I said, their podcast is called Marriage is Funny. So you should totally check it out, which is a lot of it is just them too talking about a lot of the hard stuff and a lot of the tensions. But then it really they find the funny in everything that is difficult ultimately. Absolutely. And um, they basically talk about laughing through the messes so we don't lose our mind. And uh, so if that sounds interesting to you, you should totally check out their podcast. They are also doing this kind of like a, mar- it's, they're, they're calling it a marriage summit. It's called Grounded and it's in Southern California. It's basically like a fun fun, fun marriage gathering. And it will be February 20th through the 22nd of the year 2020. Yeah. In California. In California. So you can look them up online um, at Grounded Marriage Summit. Grounded Marriage Summit. Okay. Well, there's a few things you can be listening for. Um, You know, today I wanted you to listen for this, this, a few different ideas that they had talked about. I think first is they're just really honest people. They tell you that they fight and they tell you that they, that marriage is hard and, and um, so that's a, the first thing is like, oh, we're going to listen to people that honestly and openly talk about the realities of marriage. Secondly, um, that this idea that if you fight, it doesn't necessarily mean you're, it's going to end in divorce. And I think that's a great myth that they're working to, to push back. And um, third is, you know, there's some bad marriage advice out there. Yeah, there's bad marriage advice, and sometimes really we got to call is. it out. Or marriage advice that works for one person might not work for you. Yeah. So we're gonna get into all this and then some. Yes. With these friends of ours from California, Jesse and Gerard Pepper. Gosh, I don't even remember. Uh, you don't remember? Uh-oh. Well, like, <laughs> this might this be like starting key, the wrong this way. Is like a key story. Well, because the falling in love part happened. Like it didn't, you know, definitely wasn't love at first sight. I actually thought he was really obnoxious when we first met. And so then it just sort of happened over the course of, I don't know, the following weeks and months. It was a slow, it was a slow burn for me. Let so, me put it that way. So we were, we had common friends as these stories usually start. <laughs> and 
We met in college. We met in college. The first time I remember meeting Jesse, although that's also debated, mm. um, I came back to my apartment and she was with my buddies watching the His OC. Roommates. Yeah, right? we were watching TV. Because, you know, that's what you watched 15 years ago, <laughs> the OC. <laughs> and apparently, and, again, recently, <laughs> as they yeah. released it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I was also bringing in laundry to fold. Clean laundry. And so I was like, oh, I watch the OC too. That sounds great. So I like start folding laundry like in in the living room where everyone else is. But the, the way he folds his laundry, I know people <laughs> like, no, and I know, I know. It sounds like I sound like a total jerk by saying this because like who criticizes how someone else is folding their laundry? But <laughs> the, the listeners can't see that he's pointing at me right, right now. Right. But, um, you know, Let's just take like the example of a t-shirt, right? So you hold up a t-shirt, it's clean. It's a little wrinkly because it's been sitting in your clean laundry basket for probably a few days if you're a junior in college. Like what? That's probably fair. And so he picks it up by the shoulders and he snaps each t-shirt with like the most enthusiasm that you could ever imagine. He's really excited about his clean laundry, I guess, but he would snap each t-shirt like three or four times before he actually folded it. And we were, you know, <laughs> so it was, like it was the, interrupting the, the show. Yeah. Climactic part of the, the show. I think it was actually like a, the season finale. It was probably right before Marissa died. Sorry. Spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> 15 years anyways, later. <laughs> yeah. 15 years later. If you don't know how it ended, then I am not to blame. Yeah. But anyways, I was like, dude, who, who is this guy? Like he comes in here interrupting the show. And I was just thinking all of this. I've way too passive aggressive to actually say anything. I might've given him a dirty look, but I think we came to find out much later that he didn't think it was a dirty look. He thought it was like a, how Sexy you doing? Look. Kind of a look. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> who this guy? <laughs> I had remembered meeting him on calf lane, which is like the the like main kind of common area at our school, our university. And I knew of him because he had a little bit of a reputation oh. around, around campus. What because, is this? What is this Well, reputation? he dated a, a lot sparkling of reputation, women. A sparkling, a sparkling reputation. He dated a lot of women <laughs> before, before wooing me with his laundry folding abilities. <laughs> and I just, I remember one of the girls that he dated, I worked with and knew of him through her and she had introduced us on Kathleen one day. And I remember thinking, oh, I can see why so many ladies think he's cute because he is. Hmm. But if he's some kind of like back then, I probably was like, what a player or yeah. something, you know? Anyways, I, I, I thought he was not maybe you know, attainable. He was in my head. I was like, he probably ah. wouldn't be interested in me. Plus he's really rude when it comes to watching television. And so we became really good friends first. I don't remember how we got over the laundry situation. Yeah. You were okay yeah. with being friends with the laundry. Uh, problem, hang on. But, but how, how you explain the story, <laughs> how you explain the story, you never have gotten over the laundry no. situation. <laughs> well, funny. We've been married for 12 and a half years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And we still, to this day, I think probably one, one single load of laundry have we ever done together. Meaning like our clothes don't touch. Oh, <laughs> we do our laundry. And I individually, not, you do your own yes, laundry individually. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. We never, we've never done a joint load of laundry except for that new. one. one. <laughs> after this we got new. married. We, I don't think we've ever heard this one before. This I is like funny. this. 
We also Guys. use separate tubes of toothpaste, but that's another. You got to find the little compromises. I'm going to say the laundry thing is really important, though, to a We don't even think about it. It's like Be- some people have separate checking accounts. We have separate laundry baskets. Yeah. Oh. It's like, I don't want, she doesn't wash my clothes right or fold them correctly and vice versa. So why would we even put ourselves in that situation? <laughs> <laughs> This is funny. Okay, so met in college, friends through college. When did we fall in love? Yeah, who made the first move? When did we get over it? So this is, I don't know if we've really gotten into this story. We were, Jesse was house-sitting, and she was super freaked out because she's a little bit of a paranoid when it comes to being in a house by herself. And she (laughs) called my roommate and I and said, they were really good friends of mine, like my closest friends, basically. I'm kind of freaked out. Will you guys come over? So my buddy and I went over. We watched, of course, we watched The Village because why not watch a scary movie while you're in this house? <laughs> we stay there. Both, all three of us stay there. Nothing's they spent going the night. on. There's nothing like We all slept on the couches. On. Yeah, it was not, not nothing weird. And the whole time I'm thinking, this girl's cute. This, this would be better if my buddy wasn't here. And so the next day. <laughs> oh, wow. She needs to stay there again. And I'm kind of like, hey, I'll come by. I'll be the one. I'll hang out. By yeah. myself. So Alone fast forward time. to us. We're kind of like. You did offer. I ne- that had never occurred to me. You did offer the next day to, to come by. We're, we're kind of starting to cuddle, watching a movie, sitting close to each other. Movie ends. We're still cuddling. And. We like zoomed right past the holding hands part too. Yeah, yeah. But I will, I want to add though, this was like right after winter break. Again, we, you know, we met in college. So that's like how you mark time, the passing of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. We, this is right after winter break. Uh, and it was a three day weekend. And I do remember that we both over winter break had gone home to like our respective hometowns and had both started kind of dating slash seeing people, which wasn't a big deal because from home. Yeah, from home. But we kind of kept in touch and, that wasn't unusual for us to tell each other about our respective dating situations. Right. So I knew he was dating this girl. And when I say dating, I mean like gone out or whatever. Yeah. 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 It wasn't, it wasn't exclusive. Exactly. Nothing, it was very much like you went home and hanging like, out. With hey, okay. Anyways, we both kind of had these other things happening and, and there we were cuddling on the couch. And I remember thinking like, I don't know, this is kind of weird. Cause we both, you know, put, those moments in high regard. And, and I remember thinking like, what, what happened? And he, he turns to me and he goes, like, it's very obvious we're about to kiss essentially. And I go, you know, this is going to make things really complicated. <laughs> that was the first thing I before I even said it. And then she was like, yeah. I think then, I shrugged my shoulders and then we kissed. And then the next day, uh, but it was weird because you asked how we fell in love. Not how did we like, well, this not is about an our important first part kiss. of this story. Because we were kind of like, oh, it was fun, whatever. But we're both kind of thinking and like the other person's not really serious about this. Yeah. And that's all that happened, by the way. We just, we yes. kissed and yeah. then it's over. Very PG. <laughs> and PG. so like a couple of days later, we're hanging out and we're kind of like, hmm, that was interesting. And we wanted to hang out again, kind of with friends. And it just ended up again, just being us too, because like friends had to go their separate ways. Everybody bailed. So we actually like, went to see a movie together and afterwards that night i was like we hey were, by the way i'm i'm serious about this like we were sitting at dinner and he he looked looked me straight in the eye and said i really like you and i remember to me that was 
an unusual approach, like especially when you're 19 or whatever, it's all about, you know, the flirting and the playing the game and all that stuff. And so I remember thinking, wow, that was really honest and also flattering. And I really like you too. So I don't know. And then honestly, from then on, I mean, we kind of, we used to call that our first date, which felt sad because we saw a matinee of Coach Carter, which is like an old Disney movie about basketball, <laughs> yes. and then had dinner at the food court afterwards because the movie was so early. It was a hot so, day. Yeah, I mean, really hot. And, and then it felt like an accident. But then we dated in secret for like two months because we didn't want our friends to know because we were afraid it wasn't going to work out and that it would ruin our group of friends. Oh, that's interesting. And then like two years later, we were married and now here we are. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's good. Okay. So we know you because of you guys have a podcast also. Marriage is funny. And um, it is. it's hilarious. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that all come about? Like how did you guys, at some point you guys are married a certain amount of years down the track and you're like, we need to start sharing some of our relationship with others. I'd love to hear the story about how that all came to be. You just said down the track and I thought you were going to say down the trash, which is actually <laughs> part of the story. Okay. We, we, we were, we had been married for seven years when we decided to start our show and things were really rough at that point. And, mm. um, I think, you know, we got married really young. We were 22 when we got married and or in the earlier years of our marriage, we had a lot of circumstantial things happen that were not because of either one of us. It wasn't like we were causing the conflict. It was a lot of just life events, life stage type things. So I felt like we had weathered a lot in the first few years, which I think in retrospect was a good thing because it made us understand how to engage with with each other in times of stress. But then seven years in, it was almost like there was a um, it was just a drifting apart, I think for lack of a better word and for brevity's sake that we, we weren't really sure how to navigate. And we kind of now can see where some of that might've started. I, I mean, I think primarily we had moved from the first place we lived together was Kansas city, Missouri. We had moved to New York city from there and we had lived in New York a few years by the time things started to sort of break down. Um, and one of the things that we noticed was that we weren't really having, I guess I should say in retrospect, once we started the show, looking back, we realized um, that it provided the kind of accountability for conversations that we needed and didn't have mm. once we moved to New York. Um, yeah. So in short, I mean, we had in Kansas City during that period of our lives had some friends in similar life stages, newly married, mm -hmm. going to grad school. So it felt like there was this real community that we had that we could A easily, lot of young married couples yeah, who we were could, experiencing some of the same stuff. So we could relate to what each other was going through. And, and we'd regularly do that. We'd kind of sit around the dinner table and talk about what's going on. And when we moved to New York, just that social dynamic changed in a lot of ways. And so we kind of felt in retrospect, as Jesse was saying, we kind of identified the fact that we weren't really having those, like that accountability in those relationships. So we're kind of like, what are we supposed to do about our marriage right now? It's kind of falling apart. This really sucks. I mean, it had really gotten bad. There were a couple of other things, both work schedules and, and just navigating new parts of life. But then also we've talked with you guys about this before, a move alone can put a lot of stress on a relationship. And it got so bad that we were having conversations like, are we supposed to be together? Like, do we need to talk about 
what this would look like if we weren't together. I, I mean, I hate to even say that, but it it was that bad that we were um, kind of wondering if we'd made a horrible mistake seven years prior, mm. um, or at least maybe not made a horrible mistake because the time leading up to that hadn't been horrible, but we just wondered if we were meant to still stay together. And so honestly, those conversations were the ones that we wished we had our friends nearby for. And I said, maybe at some point we should just record, either call them and FaceTime them with a bottle of wine in hand or something, or let's just record our conversation, send it to these friends and say, can you just tell us what to do or who who wins the argument? Because we're stuck. And we both were avid listeners of podcasts at the time. And Gerard said, well, that sounds like a really good idea for a podcast. And that was actually a year before we launched. And I had spent the next basically 12 months trying to convince him to actually make it happen. And then we finally did it. <laughs> hmm. So it was just really stemmed out of just feeling like you were not connecting you two yeah. and then almost needing this conversation of the podcast to start again, kind of bring you guys back together. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing us together. And then I think also, so it's like the accountability of having the conversations, but then also the accountability of having people to reflect back at us what's happening Mm -hmm. or even just knowing, you know what I mean? Having the feedback, but also Mm -hmm. knowing that there's other people are going to be listening makes you (laughs) approach things with a little bit more respect Mm -hmm. and uh, calmness than you might otherwise. Has it worked? Is it bringing you guys closer together? How, or how has it improved your relationship? I'm curious. Well, I'd say, so something that was really fascinating when we started doing the podcast was we started fighting more than ever. And like off the podcast, like we were, we were arguing just much more, but we were hanging with it we, before we were kind of avoiding it. Mm-hmm. And so when we started doing the podcast, we'd sit across, you know, we'd sit across from each other and if something was going off the rails and you get irritated with the other person, why are you telling that story? That's mean or something like that. And you, and you know, we'd edit those things out because we don't <laughs> want everyone to hear that, but we would have to sit through it because we're like, well, we still have to record this freaking episode and I don't want to talk to you, but we have to do this. Right. So we were like training ourselves and how to resolve the conflict. I stopped freaking out that every time we'd have a fight that we were going to get divorced. So it was like, we were actually hanging with it, working up that muscle and then when we were outside the podcast, we felt like, oh, I've done this before. This isn't that big a deal. Mm. I can, we can do this. And it's, so it just was this weird, like, while we were fighting more, it was almost like we were letting off the steam that we needed to all along mm. and, and then build that healthy conversation. So it wasn't just fighting. It was, it was more than that, right? It, and it was just, we, yeah. were, we were building all those muscles all together. And I think one of the things, as I hear you explain that makes, so, you know, and Again, in retrospect, you recognize there's certain things happening that you might not have seen in the moment. And one of the things that's occurring to me is that we both grew up in households where like both both sets of parents are still married, um, 45 years, 41 years, like celebrating big anniversaries. And our parents are really important to us. And we saw growing up that their marriages were, from what we could tell, conflict-free. Mm. which we all know is not the case. Like you can't be married for 45 and 41 years and have no conflict. I don't think, unless it's all a sham. (laughs) We know our parents love each other very much. And so what I know now is that we just weren't, I actually still don't know that much about how and when my parents disagree, honestly, same with your parents. But regardless, uh, we didn't grow up seeing 
healthy conflict modeled. And that's not to say that they were modeling unhealthy conflict. We just didn't see any conflict Mm -hmm. modeled. And so what I actually think is unhealthy about that is that then you don't have examples of what to do when stuff like that crops up. And so what Gerard just referenced a second ago is that anytime, and I'm not conflict averse by any means. And so anytime conflict would pop up in his mind, he would think, oh my gosh, healthy marriages don't have fights. And so we're probably going to get a divorce. And in my mind, I'm like, this is just part of communication. Like, you know, seven wing eight here with a strong, strong eight wing. I don't avoid conflict. So anyways, we had like differing viewpoints of what that looked like. And I think what really made a huge impact in terms of the podcast, we weren't going to hang up and and give up. That was a shared project. Um, We're too stubborn for that. We were way too stubborn. But yeah, like he was saying, the fighting increased when we started the show, but I think it actually helped us get better. Yeah. Hmm. And what made you like, Gerard, like start to believe, you know, because I think a lot of people struggle with that. Just that idea that, you know, oh no, if this happens, then this could lead to divorce or, oh no, if, um, um, if I say this honest truth that this is going to lead to whatever, yeah, and a, fina- it a finality. Of yeah. And thing. so what would you say to somebody who struggles with that? And like, how did you kind of overcome that kind of idea and now really have like the trust and the belief that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard for me to really pinpoint it other than kind of the description of what Jesse was saying. It's like, we'd sit in this moment. Plus I'm, I'm like trusting Jesse to edit me in a way that doesn't make me sound bad at the same time. And so <laughs> jokes on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh. it was, there was like several things happening all at once in which I'm like, okay, this isn't, first off, she's respecting me in this way in terms of our conversation, even the conversation we're having on the mic. When we first set out to do that, there were some ground rules, but it was still kind of like, well, we'll just see what happens, right? Hmm. So it's like you're, you're, we were kind of building some of that trust through that. And then I, I would just say, just remembering, it was almost like I had to remind myself that we like to to have fun and make jokes even in moments that felt tense mm-hmm. and that we could do that. And it was like, Oh, right. So instead of being defensive when she's like, you know, saying something kind of snarky about the way I put back like the glasses in the cupboard, like I'll probably can just like point out how trivial this is and make a joke about it. Right. And so it was like weird stuff like that. That was, Oh yeah, we can, we can, we don't never think not everything has to be taken. So like, this is, her being mean or something. It's just like, Oh, whatever. It's like, it's fine. We're, we're fine. Let's, let's not, let's actually pick our battles. The ones we really want to, to like, I'm actually hurt about this versus, you know, this is just something that we don't need to worry about. I don't know. I, I know I've kind of gone all over the place on that, but it just, it took time and dif- different scenarios just to remind myself like, we're okay. I think also we we're performers. We both, we love, we've always like been in that, um, that's always been a part of our personalities and we both really love comedy. And when we started our show, we were going to comedy shows once a week. Gerard was performing stand-up comedy. We're writing stuff together. And so I think one of the things that also helped was as we were recording our podcasts is we would look for 
funny things about what we were fighting about to point out the obvious humor in them. Yeah. But that's also a really good practice. Yeah, like so helpful. Practicing looking for the levity in, in stressful situations has helped us because now if the mics are off and we are standing in the kitchen fighting about the glasses, which you still have not figured out how to put away correctly, <laughs> then you're going to look for what's funny about the situation because that's like, it's, it's habitual. Yeah, that's good. Wow. That's really good. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so is, so is marriage funny? I mean, it, I mean, because it's rooted in like you guys constantly are kind of going back to the things that create conflict, right? Um, is that like your I mean, positive view of it, kind of? And I mean, we just we we tell people all the time if we if we weren't laughing, we'd be crying. And honestly, mm-hmm. one of the things I think that has really helped us frame up what we're doing is we're laughing through the messes so that we don't lose our mind. Hmm. And again, going back to uh, looking for what humor or even just joy can be found in stressful situations. I mean, that kind of is like, seems like the only way to survive in our case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, To make it through. And I mean, yeah, I think because marriage has been, I mean, maybe this sounds obvious, but such a big part of our lives together. I mean, that that's, it's just, it's like, why wouldn't we make it as fun as possible? And for us, that's looking for the comedy, the comedic parts about it. Uh, Okay. I have a, I have a question in the midst of this. I, I really, I'm just going to ask it. You guys can be like, I'm not going to answer this or you can, I feel like you started your relationship in a, in a deep friendship. Right. And then all of a sudden added romance. So I'm curious, has that always been a tension? Like what's the, like has uh, this tension of, and, and we're adults, like we're obviously we're going to, but like, I'm guessing what's held you guys on for all these years is the longevity of friendship and has, I don't know, has romance been the tension in the midst of a midst of it? It's a random question. I know. I think when you frame it in that lens, I'd say yes. I think the, the friendship has carried us in times in which the romance has not. Hmm. And when we're going through, I mean, just an episode we just did recently on Marriage is Funny was talking to a couple who uh, romance and intimacy is really their focus for their marriage. And, and, and so they've done a lot of research on this and just even talking to them was super helpful for us because we've just been those, that's sometimes that romance stuff is, is difficult, right? I mean, it's difficult for any marriage. But I, but I think through those times in which we feel like romance is like, ah, oh, geez, what's going on here? There's always that sense of like, I was just going to put this out there. You're my best friend. What he's trying to say is we're in a bit of a dry spell. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime that's happened for us, it does end up playing out in that, like we, we stay connected because we actually like being together and because we hmm. have things in common and the friendship piece. I mean, friendship is so much more than just having things in common, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like the, the friendship piece feels like what is, um, really providing the support that carry us through, you know, a moment where maybe the romance feels like a distant memory. <laughs> yes. Well, and that's every, every relationship, every, single... every relationship has those, has those seasons. Right. And for that reason, I'm very grateful that that was, and again, like, I mean, I think we were, we were probably friends for, I don't know. We disagree on this, but probably six months before he we, thinks we six started months. dating. I just, I think, I think I'm right. Okay. 
I'm going to concede because it really doesn't matter. Regardless, we we did have it deep. And I think maybe our friendship felt like it was longer because before the romance happened, because it was, there was no pressure because we were both like not interested and whatever, right. but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I think, I think that has definitely been a saving grace for us and I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. So now if I'm correct, you don't have children. Is that right? Right. Okay, but then you have fostered or done some sort of something with that. Is that yes. true? Tell us yes. about that. So we're a host family for a short-term foster care program here in Southern California. And it's actually an organization. Um, it's called Safe Families, and they're all over the country. Started in Chicago, um, but I know they've got chapters all over the place. And we are just so... I mean, I don't know, you can't really be in love with an organization, but we really, really love what they're doing and we love what they stand for. And um, essentially, I mean, Gerard can probably explain it uh, more succinctly than I can. But one thing I will say that I think is kind of interesting about it, and maybe we can come back to this, is that we sort of felt called to be host parents at separate times and in separate ways. So that has kind of had an interesting impact on our story. But um, I don't know. Do you want to say yeah, so just, more about what we just, do? Yeah, short. In, in short, what the the program does is is really supposed to bridge and prevent where children really need to go into the foster care system, the state run foster care system. And so, what they try to do. So, for instance, these are, these are instances like of uh, parents who are homeless and have a child and are trying to get on their feet, or single moms who need to have uh, surgery and maybe be on disability. And they can't take care of the kids because they don't have any family around. Um, and some of the situations that we've stepped into has been a single mom with several kids and she's going into labor. Mm-hmm. And so watching the kids. Well, I was going to say, Andre, you've probably seen and know this. I don't know what the laws are and how they differ from state to state. But in California, one of the things that happens is that if like in this situation, let's say a mom shows up at the hospital, she's in labor and she's got a couple of kids with her already. And this is presuming, and in most cases, if we're hearing about it, it's because they have no other support or family. So, of course, she brings her kids with her because she can't leave them at home. So so the hospital uh, will hang on to them. They'll have social workers there to hang on to the kids for uh, two hours. And past two hours, if they haven't, if no family member or neighbor or someone else has come to pick up the kids, they go into a group home. Just after two hours, that's all like, that's the grace period. So, I mean, yeah. that alone is, is part of, you know, it, whether it's a problem or not, it's, it's causing, you know, a yeah. trickle out effect. And so what happens after they're in the group home is the only person that can get, can go get them out of that situation is the primary caregiver, which is often the mom who's in labor. They're yeah. in the group home for 24 hours. And if no one, if the mom or the uh, person who has custody can't come get them in those 24 hours, they go directly into foster care, into the state-run system with no questions asked and no exceptions. And so as you can imagine, that puts a lot of kids into the foster care system where if they just had someone to take care of them for those 24 hours or even the two hours leading up to it, things wouldn't be... And and in this case, it's like... And it doesn't mean the mom's unfit. It doesn't mean, you know, there's all these other things playing into it. And so what we've been able to do is take a kiddo for, you know, 
think the shortest one was maybe a few nights and the longest one is a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times, but, but I, I get, we get the text notifications. I probably get a dozen a day for wow. different scenarios and it always gives you a little bit of information, but, um, it's, it's been a really, um, wonderful way to see how, um, we can put our parenting, uh, muscles to use while not actually being permanent real parents. Yeah. And I think, yeah. um, it's brought us closer together in so many ways and it's a joy. We love kids. We've, mm. we've chosen not to have children, but we love kids. And so it ends up being really fun. <laughs> and I mean, there's parts about it that are messy and stressful too, but it's in the long run, it's, it's been super, super fulfilling. Tell us about choosing not to have children. What, what made that decision? And was this a pre-discussed kind of thing before y'all got together or did this kind of all evolve afterwards? I think when we started. Well, actually, I do remember having a conversation about it before we were, this is talk about like overachiever status. We did, uh, Gerard, before he proposed, he was like, I think we should go to pre-engagement counseling. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thing. I heard heard like, you know, that's what happens when you go to a small Christian university that's like, I heard it. I was like, that sounds like a good idea. We should probably do that, you know? Anyway, so we sat down with someone that we trusted and um, was in many ways a pastor to us. And and I remember him saying, have you guys talked about wanting to start a family? And it was really looking back. It was basically premarital counseling is what he was doing, but we weren't engaged yet. So when he asked us the family question, we both were kind of like, "Mm, we haven't talked about it. We're only 21 or 20. I think we were 20. And... I think we both were just, we like blank stares. And then we were like, can we talk about this another time? Like, we, do we need mm-hmm. to figure it out now? And I remember him, the pastor saying, was that Michael? Is that Michael? Yeah. He, he said, my recommendation would be that you always just commit to being on the same page about it. And whether or not that means, he goes, I know you're young, you've got plenty of time. But ev- even if it just means saying, look, we're not actively starting a family right now. And neither one of us is like interested in pursuing that. So let's, it's okay to like table it, but let's just commit to making sure we check in about it every six months, every year. For us, when we got married, we were like, let's talk about it in five years. <laughs> Cause neither one of us was yeah. like yeah. gunning for it or super interested. And I remember five years passed and we looked at each other and we're like, oh yeah, do we need to talk about this? And we both were kind of like, I still am not like, I don't know. It's, it doesn't yeah. sound super compelling or interesting to me. And by then we also knew that I had some chronic health issues that would actually prevent it from happening uh, naturally, let's say. Okay. Like we knew we weren't going to be having any accidents. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, you know, you say, you say that, I know for some people that it's, they've thought the same and it's not panned out that way, but um, we knew it was going to take some real intention to make it happen, whether through medical or adoptive plans. And so that that brings a whole nother layer, right? Because right. then you have to really want it. Yeah. Um, and it's funny. I we've I don't think we've ever told this story before, but I do remember um, there was a day where I thought, I, I don't even know if we have talked through this story that explicitly. Yeah, you, you told me the story and I was like. Much later though. There I was a day where I was pregnant. like, I might be, you could have told me I wasn't? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a day that I thought I might be pregnant. And for obvious reasons, a woman can sometimes tell before anyone else can. And I was like, that would be so weird. Um, and at first I was like, no, that wasn't a part of the plan. 
And then I was really, really at peace about it. Hmm. And I remember that moment. It actually, I think it confirmed this, I don't want to say decision, because obviously I would hope that the decision for us would be a joint decision, but it confirmed this feeling or opinion in me, I guess, that I, it was almost like it released me from this idea that if it did happen, it would be okay. And if it didn't happen, it would be okay. Mm-hmm. I just felt like a really open handedness about it. And again, since then, it's like for us, if if we end up ever becoming parents, it's going to have to be really, really, you know, there's going to be a decision. It's going to be an active decision. I mean, literally the, what I've, what I've told people is unless a baby shows up on our doorstep with like a note that says, um, hi, Jesse, it's me, God, this child is yours. And Gerard's. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way it's probably going to happen. No, I mean, obviously there are certain circumstances and we've talked about it even since then. To be totally honest, every once in a while, you know, I'm, we're open about our age. We're 34. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Gerard's 35. Uh, (laughs) I'll be 34 in two days. 35 in two days. You can even get the the age you're going to be right. Whatever. Just, (laughs) just pretend like I (laughs) I'm like I'm turning 34. No, so I um I think because so many of our friends who are similar ages or at a similar life stage uh have kids, it's made me wonder a couple of times, especially recently, like, are we gonna regret this? Mm-hmm. Um, and because having kids seems like such a bright spot for so many of the people that are close to us. And um, you miss out on certain things when you don't when you're not a parent, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a lot of friends, a lot of our closest friends are actually like a generation <laughs> above us mm-hmm. or at least, at least like 15 years beyond us in age. And so, and a handful of them also don't have kids and there's certain even aspects about their lives where I'm like, Oh, I can see how, how both how their life is wonderful and beautiful because it's just the two of them. But then there's also things where I'm like, I wonder if, if we'll be bummed in 15 years when we don't have any little ones or at that point they wouldn't be little anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And honestly, like I could see us being 60 and saying, maybe we should adopt a kid right now. I don't know. You can always adopt kids when they're not babies. We don't have to start from scratch, Yeah. but I guess, I don't know. At at this point, we're just kind of taking it one six month chunk at a time. And I do bring it up occasionally, but more just to make sure we're on the same page. Cause that's one thing that I always worry about is that what hurts to want it and anything because they know that the other person doesn't want it. Mm. So after uh, how how many episodes have you guys done of Marriage is Funny now? We're closing in on 100. On 100. And you started this really out of a tension you guys were feeling. I'm curious um, if you were sitting with another couple and you're like, man, if I could give you the top things we have learned in this from each other and from others, what, you know, what, what's some advice you could give from, from, the, doing this this project together that you could share with others. The first things that come the the first thing that comes to mind for me is a is a quick one, and it's just don't stop talking things out. Because mm. I think, as Gerard alluded to earlier, you know, one of the things that felt like may have caused some of that really bad tension in year seven was that we had stopped talking things out because we were afraid of the conflict, and so we had we had let that cause a kind of a rift between us. Yeah, we'd say um, your marriage is your marriage. And so 
as much as everyone has this great marriage advice, like you guys need to figure out how your marriage looks to you and how you want it to look. And so we've, we've kind of, we've redefined what a great marriage looks like because uh, I think it was the very first episode, actually Gerard Mm -hmm. says to me toward the end, because we were disagreeing about something and he was feeling the pressure and things were starting to go off the rails. And he goes, I just feel like I need to be a perfect husband. And I just remember that stopped me, you know, it struck me right then that I, well, first of all, I, I never expected him to be a perfect husband, but I also know that I'm not capable of being a perfect wife. And so we started then to reframe things and, and instead of trying to have a perfect marriage, just trying to be a great partner to each other. And I think for us, that looks like um, pursuing, pursuing growth personally as individuals, but then also you know, as we mentioned before, surrounding ourselves with other people that also value their marriage and and both digging into a community and then also trying to facilitate that safe space for other people has brought about a ton of mm-hmm. healing and a ton of joy. Um, and that's one thing that anyone can do. And so we try to encourage others to, to really develop those um, practices because I think that's helped heal our marriage and then helped provide an infrastructure that's prevented it from, um, ruins. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of bad marriage advice out there. Um, it's well-intentioned like it's, it's from, comes from a good place, but you know, we kind of realized early on going to bed angry was going to work just fine for us. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Fight. Like the don't go to bed angry. Yeah. We don't fight fair when we're tired. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm falling asleep and she's now getting more upset than I'm falling asleep, you know? And oh my so I've never had that conversation before. The <laughs> amount of fights we have had about that. But then we're try, trying to stay up because you're not supposed to go to bed angry. We got to finish this tonight. You're like, no, don't you let's- dare close your eyes on me. <laughs> Are you quoting me? Because I literally, I like, should be going to my tombstone probably. Or like, he does this thing where he pretends like he's not yawning and he, 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 he keeps his eyes open and he keeps his mouth closed, but he does like this very visible yawn. Yes. Jim, <laughs> right now. And, and I'm like, I can tell that clearly whatever I'm saying is boring you right now. And but you're going to sleep. Yeah. yeah I'm just tired. Whatever. That doesn't so, help much. Just- we, we actually have started taking these marriage myths or, or, you know, we call them myths, but I think like what he said, they're well-intentioned pieces of advice and flipping them on the, their head to fit what works for us. And so that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that for, for some couples, they might, they might be better off not going to bed angry and that's right. fine. But that's the point is what works for you works for you and figure it out. And that's what we say. We, we're still figuring things out just like everybody else. And the reason we say that is because it's a continual process for us. And I don't think we're ever going to be to the point where we're like, cool. Well, we figured out marriage. Yeah. So podcast I mean, it's, it's, done. Yeah. <laughs> project over. But anyway, so I think, yeah, it's, you know, the, the process of figuring things out, I think, um, makes it feel like you have a shared goal and a shared, um, it's like, well, actually, Andre, this is something you shared when you guys were on Marriage is Funny is when you agree and commit to being on the same team, it does something. It makes you feel like you have this shared goal. Mm-hmm. And for us, I think, you know, building 
a great marriage and being great partners is, I guess, what made us feel like, okay, we're, we're in this together. We have a, we have the same mission yeah, and that's to, you know, make it work. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's true. We totally feel that when, I mean, when we do, when we do the podcast together on those days, we're like, we just went to counseling. We just learn, you know, and we both are just looking at each other, both learning similar, you know, things, but also just doing something in a partnership, you know, is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And in the midst of it, I think I like hearing you guys share about your, your openness about having fights, right? Because I think most people Mm. aren't willing to, to openly talk about that. They have them or they don't have them one or the other, (laughs) but either way, they're not going to talk to other people about it. Um, and it's this weird thing that you have to like put on a front, kind of put on a front showing that your marriage is great. Yeah. Perfect or something. Yeah. So when we were debating whether or not to have, or to do this podcast and meanwhile, or marriages in shambles and it feels so ridiculous to do that while we're trying to figure out our marriage at the same time we had some uh friends it's kind of like common friends we knew this couple they had just gotten married and within a couple months they split up and it was really three months in yeah it was like what happened oh my gosh how come we didn't know everything seemed like it was fine well so because we heard about it from these were like so we hung out with them socially fairly often. And yeah. we were so surprised. We were like the last ones to find out that they were getting a divorce. And of course we were surprised because they had just gotten married. Yeah. So we had a friend tell us and the friend that told us, I said, gosh, I feel like it's sort of weird that we're hearing it from you. And like, what, what happened? And, and, and she said to, to, to us, well, they probably didn't want to say anything to you because you guys never fight. You guys have a perfect marriage. Wow. Just like, we're like, oh my gosh, if, this is like the day after we had a conversation about whether or not we were supposed to get a divorce. Yeah. Hmm. And we, we just, it just, it gutted us. I mean, you know, you get that pit in your stomach and you're just like, oh my gosh. Of course I'm like, our life is a sham. You know, like we're not <laughs> vulnerable or all that. And, but truly like we realized, oh my gosh, well, first of all, we don't ever want people to think they can't come. I mean, these were f- sweet friends of ours mm-hmm. and how sad that they felt like they couldn't share Life. Like, yeah. Life. life. Any part of <laughs> right. life, but especially something where, and not to say that we would have been able to do anything about it, but at the same time, something we would hard have and certainly have wanted them to feel supported and loved throughout that yeah. decision-making right. process. And furthermore, I mean, yeah, if, if everybody's always so hell bent on putting a pretty front on in terms of like what's going on behind closed doors, then no one's ever going to understand that whatever they're experiencing is, um, not that unusual. And so that's one of the things, a shared experience. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that you got, you know, this is a lot of times from listeners of our show is people say, because you share what you do on the microphone, even though it gets messy and we know it's uncomfortable and we know like (laughs) it's not always pretty, it allows us to understand that we're not the only ones going through some of the stuff that you talk about. And I think, then, then that allows us to know that we're not the only ones either. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's sort of selfishly, we've kept doing it because it's like, oh, when we share that we're, you know, this last week, we talked about how the intimacy piece for us has been, um, a struggle. And that has been one of the most 
widely responded to episodes in a long time because so many people coming out of the woodwork to be like, oh my gosh, us too. And it makes you realize, okay, we're not broken and we're not weird because we can't or haven't figured this out yet. And we're a little weird. Well, yeah, I should I should use a different word because we are very weird. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but it's full circle. It comes back to you, you know, what you're putting back, what you're putting out and your vulnerability and honesty, you know, gets to come back to you in the same way. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting hearing you guys share about that because that's the I mean, the truth is in our society today, we want to have pretty looking external lives. But meanwhile, it's like you look very, very shallow into everyone's life and it's very messy and Mm -hmm. broken and sad. And, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's crazy that a thing like a podcast is what has to cause that. It's, it's kind of sad that we as, as people can't, can't engage other humans in that way. But, I think we're all trying to improve on it. Hopefully there's going to be a shift back in our society. And I think because we've, I totally agree with you. And I think because we've learned a lot of this as a part of this process, then we try to figure out ways that others can, we can encourage others to recreate whatever it is that's going on because we've got the microphones. Obviously Mm. not everyone's going to start a podcast, but, and, and not even everyone has to rely on radical vulnerability, but we, we, we created this thing called great love groups where we encourage uh, our listeners to connect with a group of other married people in their, you know, community so that they can dig in and have a prompt that we share on our show that they can talk through together, or it's just random stuff that they're interested together because they both like the same movies or live in, you know, the kids go to the same school or whatever it may be. But, but we want others to feel, um, empowered and hopeful that that will make a difference Mm -hmm. and that they don't need to have a microphone to do it. I think that leads us to our last question. Yes. So is it possible? We ask every, every. She knows couple. this. She, say, she says she listens to all of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Every episode. So I could well, almost. Well, then you know what's coming. <laughs> so is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and uh, have a healthy family? I'm going to say it's hard, but it's worth it. So let's do it. I think <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, that's like a three-part you know, question. And I think that each of those elements are clearly important. And, um, I would guess that they would each take a different form or even be maybe like prioritized differently based on whatever season of life that a family is in. But even just being aware that all three of those things are a value, I think is the first step toward making them happen. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're all done perfectly, I would I would argue that probably that isn't possible. Um, but I think it is possible to pursue them all. Yeah. And and again, like it's it's about figuring it out as you go and not this like final product. Hmm. It's funny because I hear you guys ask that on every single episode, and I've never thought about what my actual answer would be <laughs> until <laughs> just now. I agree. That's so funny. <laughs> that is great. Now it's time for the breakdown. Wow, that was nice and low. Breakdown in a bass voice. I love their honesty. Yeah. First of all, it's pretty brave and bold to 
be having a crumbling marriage and then say, let's start a marriage podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in hindsight, I don't know if it's smart or not, but it has worked for them. It really has. And I, I, I think I really just value, I mean, it's, shows the work of what they were talking about, about sticking to and sticking in through all the hard conversations. Um, and that, um, that, that they stopped avoiding. Yeah. Yeah. Can we re- run through some of the pieces of advice they gave us? I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit them. I got seven of them. Oh my And then goodness. I just want to do a little, I'm going to hit it, do a little color commentary with you. Hit it and quit it. No, hit it. <laughs> No, I'm just, okay. Sure. Hit it and quit it. Here it is. Jeff and Andre, hit it and quit it. (laughs) Number one, don't stop talking things out. Yes. Don't be afraid of the conflict. Number two, your marriage is your marriage. Yeah. You get to write the script. That was a good one. I got it. You just like did a hit it, quit it. Hit it, quit (laughs) it. Number three, there is no perfect marriage. Just being a great partner. Number four, pursue growth personally as individuals and surround yourself with other people doing the same. Community will heal you. Number five, there's a lot of bad marriage advice. There is. I 100% agree. 100 or 100? 100. 100. (laughs) Number six, figure out what works best for you. What works for you works for you. Number seven, have a shared goal. Same team, same hmm. team. Well, there it is. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> Listen, um, I was not ready for you to have those like seven points straight up like that. All right. I'm going to bring up something. In the midst of it, you were not excited about me asking them, but I talked about, I brought up this tension between friendship and romance. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about their situation fully, but I do want to, I want to, I'm asking you, Andre Schoenberger. Well, first of all, we've had seasons like that. Oh. Yeah. Dry spells? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. We're talking about sex? Let's do it. Oh. <laughs> Wait, right now? <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, Matt, no. welcome to the table. That's where those are. Yeah. No. Uh, what do we, yeah. I mean, if someone's listening in and they're in a dry spell, they didn't ask our advice on this, and I didn't even have a thought of what my advice would be. But we've had dry spells. Everybody has dry spells. What do you think, if someone's listening right now and they're in a dry spell, what advice would you give them, Andre Jean Schoenberger? Oh, I hate when you do this to me. You put me on the spot in these moments. Okay, well, there's a few things I could talk oh. about. <laughs> yeah, hang on. It turned, <laughs> hang on. It turned from, well, I don't know, to I have a seven-point plan. <laughs> I don't have seven points. To get you back in the saddle. Uh, I don't have seven <laughs> <laughs> I don't have seven points, um, but I have a few things. Okay. I mean, we some things that have helped us or me or you or whatever, but is um, reading some kind of article or um, something together about sex or like listening to a podcast about sex. Sure. And then basically kind of having a conversation about that, like where, you know, sex is... M- a big broad spectrum. So the problems, you know, it's not just like a sex problem. It's like all there's kinds all of kinds of yeah. possibilities in that whole big category. Sure. So like, where is it and what's going on and all that? Yeah. 
And then the other thing I would say is that um, intimacy and sex doesn't even, well, like intimacy does not even have to include sex. So I think you can find ways to be intimate and connect with each other that um, you can learn and explore without it having to include the sex act. I'm trying to think of what has gotten us out of those seasons. And that's what I was thinking about as they were sharing and you were sharing. I often think that it takes intentionality to change the current reality. Mm-hmm. So that could look like, um, yeah, you said listening to a podcast. Yeah. Listen. I mean, there's read there, a book. Yeah. Read something. Um, but also maybe, maybe find a sex therapist that you can sit and talk with. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe actually invest in the romantic side of things. Like literally try to have a night away in a hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, where you try to spice things up a little bit, you know? And the other thing is just, you know, sometimes this conversation gets aggressive, but sometimes the conversation can be really opening if you approach your partner and say, hey, can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Because I want things to be better for both of us, you know? Yeah. yeah. And having a conversation. So anyway. Um, I also really wanted to just touch on one other part. About oh, that. sure. Go ahead. Um, they just talked about how they didn't really see healthy conflict modeled. Yeah. And I think that's such a key thing. And it actually made me think about that in relation to parenting, right? So like for us as parents, if we are having conflicts, but we keep them all behind closed doors and our kids don't see us maybe having a conflict and then also seeing us work out that conflict. Um, and, and knowing like, oh, they might be upset, but they still love each other or, or they come back around full circle and the kids see us apologizing or asking for forgiveness. I just think that modeling is really important for the next generation. Yeah, we need to be able to understand and to see how to do conflict well. And a lot of us don't know how to do conflict well. So you have to start figuring that out together. And the more that your kids see that, the more it's going to be integrated into their, into their relationships in elementary school, the more it's going to, you yeah. know, where they can actually talk through conflict. Cause we all know there's going to be relationships that are challenging for all of us. And so we have to learn how to do that. Yeah. Do it well. Well, this has been another great episode of love or work. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Gerard. Uh, check out their, their uh, podcast. Marriage is funny. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see you again next week. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions. 